to down to down to Miffed and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. It's a real word. It's a real word. It's a real word. I don't use it. It's not in your vocab. Down to down. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleifer, part of DailyThunder.com. We're also featured on Dash Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 o'clock Central Time. So if you're listening on Dash Radio, welcome. We're a Thunder show. And we're going to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder. With me today is Michele Vera from Chartside. Michele, how's it going? It's going great, Andrew. What about you? Uh, I'm good. I'm a I'm a little more nasally than I usually am today. I have some allergy issues, so if you if you hear that, just uh, just discard it. Um, so the Thunder played three games this past week. We're going to kind of dive through the numbers and those and thoughts on how they played against the the Bulls and Timberwolves and Pacers. Uh, but before that, we're going to talk about just where are the Thunder in the league currently. And you can take all these numbers with a grain of salt. Like a lot of a lot of teams are figuring who they are. Some teams are like being incredibly lazy with who they are. And some of the top teams like the, like the Warriors and Cavs. So um, there's not a ton to take from these numbers, but I think it's just good to, to look at them. Um, so we'll start out with their offensive rating. Uh, this is according to NBA.com. Uh, their current offensive rating is a 104.8, which puts them at 14th in the NBA. Um, I think that they are going to be much better than this. You have teams like like Orlando is second in the league right now. Like that's that is not going to hold. Um, and so I think that Thunder will settle in closer in the top 10 at some point, but. What are your thoughts on their on their offense and kind of their offensive rating so far, McKelly? Well, I was looking uh, at other about other numbers like uh, the effective field goal and the true shooting, and especially the effective field goal is a tad better than their position uh, yeah. in terms of offensive rating, and the true shooting is not there. So, and you can tell that because like the main free throw shooters like Russ uh, and and probably also. Um, other guys didn't shoot with with great percentage, and these really hurt the Thunder uh, offensive rating. I think because um, I don't have the number right now, but it's, we can easily check that. I think that their free throw percentage is just bad in this first few games, and this actually is a, an explanation why they are so low uh, in offensive rating. And also part of that is because they are, as we said many many times, it is a work in progress, and so they are. They are starting to f- figure out something, especially against like subpar defenses. Um, they were great against Indiana. They were, of course, great against Chicago. But also uh, in spots against Minnesota, they really played a good brand of basketball, and and that was uh, encouraging. Of course, if you have like stoppages, like he, like you still have, like Melo stopping too much the ball, Russ taking early shots, or Paul George being a bit uh, passive, then you can you can explain why OKC is not at the top of the list right now. Yeah, uh, as a team, they're shooting 72% from the free throw line. Uh, Russell Westbrook is basically the reason for that because he's shooting yeah. a team worse, uh, 61% from, from the line. I mean, that's just abysmal. 
And then if yeah, you look at like all the spot up role players, like none of them are shooting well, right? I mean, like Jeremy mm-hmm. Grant's thirty percent from three. Alex Sabrinas is four of sixteen from three. Robertson's two of eight. Uh, Felton's really the only one at eight of fifteen, shooting fifty three percent from three. You have Josh Eustis who's three of twelve. Patrick Patterson who is two yeah. of fourteen. I mean, it's just been bad. Terrence Ferguson hasn't hit a three. It's like none of those guys are hitting. And that's like, yeah. with guys like Abrinas, that's not going to continue. Like Grant, like, oh, no. he may be thirty percent for the year. Uh, we really don't know what to to expect from Josh going forward. Um, but guys like Alex Abrinas and Patrick Patterson are going to hit their shots, um, and so that will help with the offensive rating and the true shooting true shooting percentage as well. Yeah, I'm sure of that. I mean, uh, as you said, and those those shots were mainly open. Open shots. So right, this, right. this will change. So it's not like last year we had uh, non-shooters all over the place. Uh, and this year you have good shooters and they will they will play more minutes. Uh, we already seen that Abrinas, even if it's not like shooting the ball particularly well, is around 20 minutes, which is what I expect him to, to have for uh, like the full season. We are playing more Eustis, which should be a better shooter than, than Robertson. So these numbers probably will change quite soon. As soon as they, they really start going to uh, a, um, uh, like a flow that is stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's very important to the, the, right now uh, as I said before there are too many uh, souls in this team so they, they are bas- may, probably they are uh, for like a couple of minutes very good then then than, than bad than good so it, I, I, I really think that as soon as consistency come into place this team will be incredibly good offensively yeah yeah totally agree defensively uh, they're 96.3 which is good for third in the NBA currently uh, I think that we can thank the Chicago Bulls for this number, right? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but also I think that the defense has been mostly good. Yeah, uh, they had like a very bad um, first three quarters against Minnesota, the first game, the the home game, yeah. where they basically left like towns kill them. I I think that OKC will continue to force a gazillion number of turnovers. Uh, yeah. So. It would be uh, that would be uh, I think uh, constant. They have to uh, understand how to defend teams that are um, bigger than them. So if they if if they have a very good center and a very good power forward that are physical, then OKC can struggle. And I think that Boston will be a good test for that next week and also Portland probably. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, they had they, they forced the uh, the Chicago Bulls into a turnover percentage of eighteen, which is just absolutely insane. Um, but the the bull, we'll get into this. The Bulls are really really bad. I'd like to thank Andy's Frozen Custard for sponsoring today's show. If you haven't been to Andy's Frozen Custard, I really don't know why because it is absolutely delicious. You can go to locations in Oklahoma City. There's some in Edmond, Tulsa. There's a bunch in Dallas, a bunch in Missouri. You should go check out Andy's Frozen Custard. They make it fresh every hour. You can watch it being made. Everything is like completely transparent. Like you, you can see everything that's happening. There's no like quote unquote the back with Andy's Frozen Custard. It's all happening right in front of you. They're making the custard right in front of you. Uh, and it's just fantastic. So go check out Andy's Frozen Custard today. Get yourself a concrete. I really like to get, uh, Oreo 
with mint and the vanilla frozen custard. It's absolutely delicious. You can obviously go get their special if you've listened to our show. You can go get the pumpkin pie concrete. So it's vanilla frozen custard with a piece of pie, like an actual piece of pie that has crust and everything uh, mixed together. It's just so good. So if you're into pumpkin stuff, and a lot of people are into the pumpkin stuff, this will complete whatever your pumpkin mission is for the fall, is to get the pumpkin pie concrete from Andy's Frozen Custard. So go check them out today. Please support the people that support us. Andy's Frozen Custard has been so kind to support us. So please go support the people that support Down to Dunk and eat Andy's Frozen Custard. But let's get into the rebounding. The rebounding is going to be somewhat of an issue for the Thunder going forward. Uh, Their uh, defensive rebound percentage is worst in the NBA at 72%. Uh, And I think most of that is due to the second unit. Uh, They're rebounding pretty well um, as a group with the first unit. But without playing a traditional center or really any strong rebounder on the second unit, uh, and, and, you know, Melo's a good rebounder, but he's not, he doesn't, he hasn't really rebounded so far for, for the Thunder. Um, but it's, it's going to be somewhat of an issue, uh, and and it's going to be, you know, mitigated by the playoffs eventually when we get there, but through the regular season, it's, it's something that's very different for OKC, uh, is that they're willing to, you know, have size and quickness and, and with that, like they're getting back on defense and they're not Mm -hmm. allowing transition points. And so what would you rather have a team that is always getting back on defense uh, which teams like the Warriors and Rockets and teams like that seem to prioritize or kind of be like the Thunder were where they're they're just a, d- a defensive rebounding and offensive rebounding team. I don't know. I kind of I like what they've been doing. Uh, I think that they can be better on the boards and they should be. Um, but I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on, on, their, on their rebounding overall? Well, I think that the first unit, as you said, has found has found the rhythm uh, in terms of like Russ taking a lot of uh, defensive rebounds. He's at uh, eight point five now, which is like probably higher than what he had last season, if I remember correctly, or about just about the same. Um, Steven Adams is taking like a good number of uh, defensive rebounds, maybe not as many as we as we hope, but he's really uh, boxing out for for other guys as he usually does. Um, so the first unit, as you said, is not the problem. The problem is when you have um, Russ and Steven on the on the bench, then you have basically no good rebounders. Especially if you if you leave Andre Robertson on the bench with them as well, then you have close to none uh, player that can rebound effectively um, on the court. Uh, so you have like, you have. Um, the opportunity to put Robertson in the second unit, but then your space is your spacing is basically killed because Melo will um, will probably ISO every time, and you are basically having one defender that is Robertson defender that is going to double him every time, and so that is not what you want. Um, so either uh, Patterson and Grant finds a way to to rebound the ball a, uh, a bit better because I don't expect Patterson to have like 1.7 rebounds uh, on the defensive side for, for his uh, full season, nor I expect him to play uh, below 20 minutes, uh, nor uh, like uh, shooting like point. 14 uh, percent like 14 percent from three so that may be 
maybe just the fact that Patterson is not playing as much uh, or as well as we thought. And but if the trends continue, then maybe you can. This could be one of the reasons uh, to to look elsewhere uh, to find some center that can play with the second unit. But I would I won't be worried now about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to see them playing uh, like they are for a big a big chunk of season and then draw conclusions on the on this on this end. Yeah, and and Patterson is starting to look a little bit better. Those first yes. few games, he was not moving well. Uh, he was slow. Uh, but these past few games, at least the past two games to me, he has looked a lot better and is moving yes. better. Uh, one thing that I really like about Patterson and think that you know maybe a closing unit with him at the power forward and then you just slide Mello and Paul George over where you just play really big um but you can still play with you know shooting he's a great ball mover and yes. I, and I just think that that could really be a help to that team when you have like Robertson can be a good ball mover I think he did some really good stuff against the Bulls and hit the 20 minutes that he had uh, but Patterson is it's very natural to him like that ball does not stick with him unless I mean he's going to shoot it or he's going to pass it and he's going to do it quickly. He makes quick decisions. He's a smart, smart player, and so I think that that could really help. Uh, you know the the OK three or the you know the four guys that are really the the head of the snake for the Thunder. Like this, I think that he could be really helpful and a glue guy for them. Uh, once he gets into game shape and once he's kind of hitting his shots with confidence and he's a streaky shooter and right now he's having a, a bad stretch and you know I think he'll come out of that and he'll have good months bad months going forward but as long as he can shoot the ball in the in the playoffs and can move the ball I think that he's going to be huge for OKC. Yeah, and OKC had like a, a long stretches when they played uh, this big unit with Grant at the four. Um, I think that with with a healthy Patterson, this will this will change. So, so the effectiveness of that of that unit will change mm-hmm. uh, because Patterson, as you said, is not like um, it's not a ball stopper, uh, and so having like three guys at least that can move the ball quickly, um, and then Melo. Uh, uh, Probably will help a lot in terms of, um, uh, of of flow. I expected coming to the season to see that lineup used very often uh, because I'm not sure if I already talked about uh, about this uh, in the po- in, um, on the pod. Mm-hmm. But I was looking about uh, I, was, I was looking how Lamarcus Aldridge is used in San Antonio, and basically they they just let him close the action. Uh, he's the, the ball uh, goes to him either when there is a clear opportunity to to exploit a mismatch, or when the, like you have like uh, ten or less seconds on the on on the clock and you want him to finish. So if you have like four ball movers uh, with Patterson on the floor and then Melo, I think that this is the way you should use him. Yes, you should use Melo and Patterson allow you to 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 do that. If you have Grant, not so much because he's not like a um, a good uh, decision maker with the ball. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I really think that Patterson can unlock this uh, using Melo as a just as a finisher and not as an initiator of the action. And um, I, I'm really looking forward to see that. Yeah, yeah, no question. It's it is exciting. Carmelo Anthony has <laughs> – I don't know what to do with him yet uh, with this team. 
he's been good, like no question. Like he's been hitting his shots. He shot a good percentage. Yes. And I and he did some really good stuff against the Bulls where I think that he was looking to pass a little bit more. Uh, yeah. But I just I and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I just don't think it's good for this team if he is you know, having these ISO mid range jump shot fests with OKC. I just don't think it helps the team long term. Um, obviously, it's helped the team, you know, win against Indiana, and he played really well against Chicago as well. And he, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just. I'm having a hard time with him because I just think that if this team is going to reach their potential, like he's got to look to pass more and he's got to be willing to spot up more um, instead of taking all the pull-up jumpers that he is and taking, you know, these, these ISO jumpers and, you know, he, he runs the second units. And I think that that's the second units have actually been pretty good uh, with him as the offensive hub. Uh, I, I just, I just want to see a more dynamic Carmelo Anthony that that we know he can be, um, and that I mean we're just seeing like Nick's mellow a lot. I feel like, and I feel like he can he can do a little bit more. Uh, some of that's on Russ, some of that's on Billy. But what are your thoughts on on Mello through these first few games? So I think that the first games, like the first three games, uh, were more in the like Nick Mello. Yeah. Then, starting from Indiana, he basically looked like uh, Nick Melo just with the second unit, yeah. which I don't love because they basically are playing uh, the two-man game between him and Felton. And I think that some sometimes it's better to uh, to give shots to Abrines, to give shots to, to, to like change the side of the floor, and they are not doing that. But in some sense, he's effective doing that because he's so talented that basically no team has a good good option to stop him with the second unit right and so that works um yes it's not you cannot translate that to with the first unit so you will you will have two units that will play completely different brand of basketball the thing that worries me is that in the third and fourth quarter against minnesota they basically kind of forgot him so yeah. Russ was doing like a two-man game with Steven Adams. Sometimes they will run a pin downs for George. And Melo was used as a floor spacer. There, you, you can you can look this uh, from two point of view. First, yes, you are you have no uh, Melo is not um, clogging the ball. He's not using um, too many possessions, and that is fine. But on the other end, you're losing a very gifted scorer. So what I what I want for OKC doing, or at least I'm curious if they will will do it eventually in the future, is to try to expand a bit the two man game in the first and in the second unit. So you have a pick and roll for, uh, with Adams. You, you don't have to finish uh, every time. Just try to do a pick and roll, then give the ball to Adams, then you make a pass. Because nine times out of ten, Melo is standing in the corner by himself. And if you, if you show to him that he will get the ball without having to isolate, I, I think that on the long run, he will be more... Um, Okay, when standing in the corner and maybe use a ton of, of spot-up possession. If you if you give him the ball just when he's uh, active from the beginning, so either he screens or he takes the ball from the top of the key from Rassi's hand, then I think he will be, like for all season long, a guy that takes his own isolations when he can, and then he stays in the corner and he's not active with uh, uh, with any screens or, or, or such when Rass has the ball in his hand. So 
I'm, I'm not sure if I made my point, but uh, I really want OKC to try to to do more than two uh, step of an action. So to do yeah. step three and step four and try to involve more organically Melo in um, in his offense. Yeah, and I feel like the sa- it's the same for Paul George. Like this team is just so used to it being like Russ can laser the ball to somebody and like that's good enough. Uh, when yeah, you have three exactly. stars, it's not good enough. Like that's not that is not maximizing what this team can do. Last season, I think it was even with these Dur- even with the Durant teams. Like you had basically Durant and Westbrook. You could play that two man game. You had Ibaka. Then you had the oop to Stephen Adams. Basically, everything they had required one, you know, good pass, and you could exactly. get what you needed out of the offense. But now you've got three guys that are great uh, and can create on their own, and th- they just need to move the ball. Like they need to. My, my gripe with Melo hasn't been the amount of shots that he's taking. It's been more the quality of shots he's taking. And some of that's his own doing where he isolates with the second unit. Uh, and some of that is on Russell Westbrook. And some of that's on yeah. Billy Donovan that this ball, the ball is not moving enough to get them enough quality shots. Because you can't tell me that if you move the ball from side to side with this team, that they're not going to find a wide open somebody. And. I don't know. That, that's been my major gripe. And it's not – I think that Melo's been great. and But I just think that the quality of shots needs to improve for this team to become the best version that it can be. And maybe it won't. Maybe the quality of shots won't change. And maybe they won't move the ball uh, like they need to. And I would actually predict that they won't because the Thunder have never – any Russell Westbrook-led team has not really moved the ball like that. And I still think that they can be – top 10 in offense and defense playing like this. Uh, oh, yeah. And I think they will be. Uh, but I just think that, like, to be elite, they're going to have to move the ball side to side. And that's why I like Patrick Patterson with this with that starting unit, just because he's, I know he's going to do that. And he's, he's also a guy who's not afraid. He's a pretty calm guy. Um, whereas, like, you have Robertson in there, who's a great defender. Uh, but at times, like, he's, he's not moving the ball and he's killing floor spacing. And I just think that's... It's been more detrimental to that first unit than I ever thought it would be in the off season. Yeah, and like to 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 do and to say another thing about um, about Melo and and the two men games between Russ and Adams. Mm-hmm. So if you remember the games, uh, the game against Minnesota, uh, at the end of it, they really ran five pick and roll: Stephen Adams, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, and the defense was collapsing on Stephen because he was. Crazy good in the first uh, in the first half, so and so there was yeah. two players. Uh, probably one was Robertson or a non-shooter, but the other one was Melo, completely alone on the other side of the floor. And Steven probably is not used to look at guys uh, in that particular action because, he, for example, as we mentioned already a few times, he can do that from the high post. Yeah, but he is not used to take a decision when he's the roller in the pick and roll. If we can do that, if we can learn how to do that, I think that, uh, like, Russ is out of the question now because the ball is in Steven's hand. So if he can make that read on the fly, I think that this will uh, will unlock so many things, so many things for this team. Because if you play, like, um, at a St- um, Steph Curry, Draymond Green pick and roll, and Draymond Green is the roller, he will find you in the corner, like, right. all the time. Yeah. 
and it's just on Draymond. Like Curry or, uh, have, like has given the ball away. So it's really on the roller to make uh, a second decision out of the out of a pick and roll. And I think they can they can do. Stephen can learn how to do that. And if if he does, then this team looks already immensely fun because he because then maybe Melo has an advantage, maybe not. But Melo can move the ball. Yeah. And so uh, I really, I really want to see that. Just, just to like, I like a few times to see how it works. Yeah, and that's where you kind of would like to see some pick and roll, pick and pop action from Russ and Paul George, because Paul George is a guy that can make that read on the move. And then if you have Patterson in the corner or Brinus in the corner or whoever out there, you know, without if Adams is on the bench, I think like that's something that could really work. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd like to see more star, you know, two-star driven pick-and-roll action with, you know, Mello or Paul George on the wing and kind of try to involve the three of them and so they mm-hmm. can make the three of them better. I just feel like there's just been, been very few instances where I feel like the three of them <clears throat> are working and they're all making each other better. Okay, let's talk about briefly. We can go through each team, and then we can talk about we can preview um, the next three games. Actually, yeah. like we've, I feel like we've talked enough, maybe about like what the Thunder have done. Is there anything from these three games that that stuck out to you, or maybe even just talk about Minnesota? I just don't think there's a ton to take from the Bulls game. Like the Bulls are no, just abysmal. And the Pacers were on a second night of a back-to-back, and they don't have their best player, Miles Turner. And uh, I mean, Adam, is he the best player? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I was just, I was just being former Homer on Thomas and Depot. I mean, Oladipo's been great. He's been yeah. very good. I mean, I mean, there he does have a case for being their best player. I will say that. Um, and Domas was just eaten alive by Stephen Adams. Like Stephen Adams yeah. knows his game probably better than any center in the league, and. Probably got in his head even a little bit, and probably Domas had some bad flashbacks playing on the uh, Oklahoma City court. Um, yeah, for sure. But uh, Minnesota, I think there's there's some things to take from from that game. They got to play this, the second time they played them this season. They lost both games. Uh, one in you know we had talked about this before the podcast. Like they were Minnesota was very lucky to win that first game. Yes, um, and then. The second game, the Thunder played some stretches that you were just like, wow. Like this. Yes, exactly. Like this Thunder team, like this is the Thunder team I've been waiting for. And then they had some stretches where you're just like beating your head against the wall because they're just playing just reckless and stupid basketball. Um, so, what are your, we can just talk about Minnesota. What are your thoughts on that second Minnesota game? Yeah, so I, I thought that for the first 15 to 20 minutes, OKC played. Maybe the best basketball they uh, they played in the in the first few games because they were moving the ball. Paul George was on. Uh, everyone was looking great, and and then Russ came back on the um, on the floor. I think around the eight minute marks or something or something like that. And he did six possession in a row where he took bad shot on offense, like. Uh, in the first eight, first eight seconds of the floor of the clock, and then he played absolutely no defense on Teague. Yeah, like he was going under the screens, let him shoot the three wide open, and Minnesota was down twelve or 
13, something like that, maybe 12. And by the end of these stretches, uh, Minnesota was one possession away from OKC. And the flow of the game completely changed. Um, uh, changed. So I think that this kind of possession, and Melo had stretches with, with the second unit where he did the same, so taking very bad shot and playing no defense. Stars cannot do that on this team mm-hmm. because uh, like they are... Very good when they play organized basketball. They are not so good when they play by themselves. Yeah. Because they because last season Russ could take three bad shots, but then he knew that the the like the next nine shots will, will would be his mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you have like just the one man show, then yes, you can take three bad possession, then you have like ten great ones and no one will remember that. But if you take just those three possession and then the ball uh, stops moving and then Melo takes ISO and then you have no offense uh, going on, then you really feel that those possession are incredibly important. So Ras has to shed them off. And he did that uh, already um, as well against the, bo- the Bulls. Uh, of course, that is not important because you kill the Bulls anyway. Yeah. But against good teams, I fear that this uh, trying to lead for a few uh, possession um, and being uh, a non-factor on defense uh, is not allowed anymore. So you don't have excuses for that anymore. Yeah, I I agree. And the the first Minnesota game, there were a couple possessions defensively on Teague again, or on, and actually on Andrew Wiggins, where they had yeah at the end of the game where they had Russ on Andrew Wiggins, um, or he's just being lazy. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it all comes down to just lazy, unfocused defense. And you know, Russ, Russ is obviously incredible, and he's been very good oh, yeah. to this first stretch. I just wonder if he's healthy, like if he's completely healthy. Like I, there's been a lot of things like the free throw shooting. Um, he's missed short on a lot of shots. His, you know, not, he's not having any intensity on the defensive end. And there's been definitely lapses with him in the past. I just wonder if he's like going at like 80% right now. Like I just, that's, that's that's an explanation. I mean, I I don't know that, but that that could be uh, an explanation. We already we talked about that about the the legs, the fact that he's missing a lot of free throws. Yeah. So it's yeah, that that can be an explanation. And you know they're going to have the start of the season's been they've had a, they played a lot of games, and and this week they're going to have quite a bit of rest. So they don't play Milwaukee until Tuesday, and then they don't play again uh, at home and. They play again at home on Friday against Boston. And then they play again on Sunday against Portland. Uh, they're going to have rest. I, I just wonder if we'll see a better version of Russell Westbrook in Milwaukee or at home against Boston. Um, because I just think, I, it's to me, it's it's weird that he's not hitting his free throws. And it's weird that he is, you know, walking around picks at times. Yes. And yes. I just wonder if that is that he's saving himself or he knows that you know maybe he's not 100% so he needs to lay off here and there. I, I don't know what it is. Um, but I just, that, that's my, and John Hamm and I text about this. Like, I just don't know if he's healthy. Like, I just, I'm not, I'm not completely sure. And I don't think the Thunder would say one way or another. Um, oh, no. And I don't think Russ would say it either. But I just wonder if he's like 80, 85% right now. And to be like, like, to point this uh, to, to to make this right, I don't think Russell Westbrook has been bad. Like no, by any no, means, no, 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 like no. he yeah. he has been great. Yeah. But since he's the best player on the team, and everyone knows it, and you have two stars, uh, two budding stars now, you have to be perfect. 
and everyone expects you to be perfect, especially I, I'm not saying to be like Beverly like on defense, but just go a bit more on defense, like go uh, not behind a screen where, you know, when you know that the, the other guy is a shooter like mm-hmm. Teague. Don't do those things. I mean, uh, I, I really think that Russ can can play a season that is maybe a less less exceptional than the other one uh, that the one that, that that he just had, but way more efficient. And so these yeah. things are really key for him to have, to be like the best version of himself. Either that, or just stop letting Russell Westbrook guard point guards. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that to me, like, that's there's a pretty simple solution here. Is like put him on a spot up guy. Like and just you, he will fall asleep probably. <laughs> that's true. I, I, he, I, he does. He falls asleep on spot up guys all the time. Um, I just wonder if like that's your job, Russ. But he, I mean, he is so fixated with getting, you know, steals and things like that. That you're probably right that he's he's going to he'll leave this guy. Um, but I just, I mean, if he's hurt or if he's still coming back um, from that injection, I just wonder if you just, you know, put him on a spot up guy so maybe he can rest a little bit more instead of just getting killed on pick and roll after pick and roll. Yeah. And, and oh, but before I forgot, I saw Russ screening for Melo. That yeah. thing, I, I really, I really saw it. And if uh, that, if that continues, then I'm happy. Then I'm more uh, inclined to forgive him on defense because yeah. this is a thing that we never saw last season. And I saw that in uh, during the Minnesota game. And it was not a good uh, screening action because he wasn't successful. But he's will- if he's willing to do that, that, that can be a thing to, to monitor and to see in the, um, in the coming games if he actually do that or not. Yeah. Uh, one more question. How can this team get Paul George better looks? Because he's he's also taken a lot of bad long twos, and, and that's a part of his game. If you go back and watch some Indiana games, like that's a part of Paul George's game. But my question, like, how can they get him better shots? Well, against Chicago, he, he had like a, a tons of uh, good shots, and also in the first part of Minnesota game. Mm-hmm. So I think that the key there is to let him come. Um, around pick picks that uh, Stephen Adams sets because he like Adams sets like amazing picks. Yeah. So if he if you if you set a screen and he a pin down screen and he and he have uh, like he, he cuts the, towards Russ and and you give him the ball with the right timing, this is an open shot. Maybe you can question that he, it's not a wide open shot. Uh, for that to happen, I think that you have to move from uh, like to 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 do more complex stuff. So as I said before, you, you you run a pick and roll, you create you create an advantage, or you move the ball to Melo. He creates an av- an advantage in isolation, but then you move the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to take like the third and the fourth step of each sets in order to find um, a better looking shot for George. And another thing that you can do. Uh, is to try to uh, first run a pin down screen for George, as I said, with Adams, and then doing a pick and roll game between Russ and Paul George mm-hmm. afterwards. So again, but it, it, it's always the same stuff. If you if you are content with the first good looking shot you have, you will not create great ones. And sometimes, like OKC okay, with penetration, like pick and roll penetration, then the ball is moving. Like Robertson did that um, against Chicago, where yeah. he actually dribbled the ball and find, found. I don't remember who, probably Melo, uh, on the on the far corner. So 
if you if you do a first action like a pick and roll or a pin down, then you do a triple penetration or another pick and roll. Then you have you you move the defense twice, and you're you're like good shots are more likely to come in, in yeah. that way. Yeah, it was Paul George because I remember the play oh, okay. distinctly because it started out as a mellow isolation. Russ throws mm-hmm. the ball to mellow. I I'm like rolling my eyes already. Like all right, like everybody clear out for mellow. Um, and then Mello passes, you know, hits Robertson, who you know starts to cut to the basket, takes a couple dribbles, and defense collapses on on Robertson, and then wow. easy, easy you dish. don't know why, but <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> why why in the world would they do that? But they did anyways because they're the Chicago Bulls. Um, and then you have a wide open Paul George. So exactly. I also think like that elevator counter that they've run a few times for him. Like I'd like to see more of oh stuff yeah, like yeah, that. that, that. But that is a play that Vogel uh, uh, used like a ton of time uh, when he was uh, the coach of Paul George in Indiana. Yeah. Uh, and George loved that. So, yeah. And you have good screeners to do that. Right. Especially if one of the two uh, is, uh, is also like uh, – is one um, between Melo and Russ, then right. you can unlock so much more. Yeah. Because you, because you both can do great things with the ball. And so, yeah, elevator is a good call for George, uh, and, for sure. And I'll try to post a video. There's a there's one example that I found they were, that they ran in the preseason. And I'm trying to find one where they ran in the regular season. But um, there's a clip that I have on YouTube that I can post on, uh, that I can post on Twitter. And then uh, there's even, uh, we've, we've both been looking at this, iPad app that shows mm-hmm. that has plays and that has the elevator counter in there. Um, and so I may post like screenshots of that as well. So that people, I just want people to understand like what the Thunder can do and things mm-hmm. to, and what to look for. So like if you're watching the game, like I want you, I want our listeners to know like what does the elevator counter even look like? And it's kind of hard to explain on a podcast. So I'm going to post yeah. it on, I'm going to post it on Twitter later. So, um, if you guys will, you guys can look for that, um, later on today. Um, for a video and then maybe some some pictures, uh, screenshots of what the play looks like. So, uh, the Thunder play the Milwaukee Bucks Tuesday night. They are four and two. Uh, they have probably the guy who's been the best player in the NBA so far in Giannis. Uh, yeah. He's averaging thirty four points per game, five point five assists, ten point seven rebounds per game. Uh, he has an effective field goal percentage of sixty, almost sixty five percent. He's just been ridiculous. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on on how the the Thunder can can handle the Milwaukee Bucks? Oh, I think that here the 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 recipe for guarding Milwaukee is having a good defender on Giannis. On Giannis. Yeah. So um, I think that this will be a great test for Paul George because I think that they will put him on on Yanis uh, from the first minute. And then probably um, Grant and Eustace will try to guard him if Paul George is not on the floor. What about Dre? Not, I think that Dre uh, is not as good against um, bigger guys. So I remember him guarding Danilo Gallinari last year yeah. uh, against Denver. And he wasn't as effective against him because... Yanis can ball him in the uh, like in the post. Mm-hmm. So I really, uh, I'm really afraid that this is not the matchup for um, for Dre. Um, whereas Dre has to has a, a lot to do, has a, already um, a whole lot to do with uh, Middleton. 
So I will probably put him on Middleton and then um, put in either uh, Russ or Melo on, um, no, probably Melo um, on Snell. Yeah. Which is just a shooter. Right. And so this will be a good test for Paul George's defense that has been great so far. But if he, if he's able to stop Yanis, then, then this team has something because this is, you have like against good teams against, uh, against Golden State, for example, you, you have to find ways to defend one-on-one Kevin Rand or Yanis and Tutacumpo. Yeah. And if George can do that, like on a consistent basis and you can slide uh, Robertson on the second best player like Middleton or uh, Curry or Thompson, then I think you have something. And yeah, I'm really curious to see that. Uh, other, other than that, I mean, Milwaukee is not running highly complicated stuff. They basically right. let him doing the show and he's doing pretty well, actually. But I, I wonder just how George will, will, uh, will do against him. Yeah. This is another game. It'll be really interesting to see how many minutes uh, Thonmaker, Thonmaker, however you say it. Uh, Thonmaker feels easier to say, but I know that's not right. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how many, how many minutes he plays because Adams is going to just destroy him, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Thonmaker. I guess that okay. is the pronunciation that uh, Howard Beck gave us in one of the pods he had. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you are right. I mean, Adams will be a nightmare for any of the bigs in Milwaukee. Yeah, Henson, uh, Greg Monroe might actually be like the best option for them and he'll probably play, he could play significant minutes um, on Tuesday night just because, I mean, Mon- Monroe is not a good defender but he's not as bad as advertised. Oh no, um, oh no. I mean, Henson, I mean, Henson will get eaten alive. He's just not big enough. Um, so th- that will be interesting to see, you know, how, I mean, Adams has been so impressive uh really against everybody and i think that will continue this week because they you know they have milwaukee who doesn't really have a center that can defend um and al horford will be an interesting matchup for him um against boston but i just boston doesn't really have the bigs to deal with him either they've got aaron baines there as well um actually played really he played really well against okc last season but i i just think with a improved spacing and an improved adams I, i would like to see him against baines yeah, I mean, Adams, sometimes uh, he's uh, getting a ball deep in the post and he's almost surprised to being just by himself and, right. and one defender <laughs> and everything is going easy for him. Yes. Uh, so this is a key to, for, for his game because he is a gifted offensive player if you give him space. And this season we are seeing that uh, at the full capacity, I think. Yeah, against Boston, uh, I think that Boston uh, is somehow... Uh, similar to Minnesota because you have a very good um, offensive player, maybe not greatest towns in Horford yeah. that can stretch the floor. Uh, and then you have a defender, a mid-range shooter as Bain. So these are two players that I would probably put a tad below the, um, the duo of Minnesota, but it's still a good test for OKC to see if the... Um, if going against bigger teams is a real issue or it was just like two games against Minnesota. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and Towns, man, Towns is so good. Oh yeah. As an offensive player. He's just, he's on another level and he's like 21, right? Like 22. Like he's just, twenty-two. he's, he and Giannis that are both 22. Can you imagine? Like, I just cannot imagine them in five years whenever they're like coming into their prime. Like it's just like those two are going to rule the league. Um, 
they're just yeah, be probably ridiculous. So. Um, Boston. So we can dig into Boston a little bit more. Uh, they are currently four and two. They they've had a really nice stretch recently, uh, and you know uh, the Thunder should beat this team. Like they've got so many inexperienced guys, but they're guys that are inexperienced, like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Terry Rozier. Like they've all been pretty good. <laughs> like they've all, you know, oh, yeah. I mean Tatum especially has really impressed me. I was not a huge fan of him coming out of the draft, but he's. He's taking quality shots. They're generating great shots for him, and he's making them. Like he, he has been very impressive so far. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a gifted scorer. So that part of his game, to me, was not in question. Um, I was worried about um, him going into a a team where the ball isn't moving. Uh, so. Yeah. Like before the draft, but since he's like since he went to Boston, I mean Boston is probably the perfect team for him mm-hmm. because Stevens is a is a very good coach offensively. Boston is really um, good to watch. So if you're a fan of basketball, you just you just want to see uh, teams play like that. Yeah. Uh, and they, they have like a really heavy ISO player because Tatum was a was an ISO player in Duke. Um, uh, Kyrie is of course an heavy ISO player, but still they can generate quality shots. And from from like in, in a Thunder perspective, other than what I just said, I think that OKC has a clear advantage in terms of um, uh, point guard uh, rotation because, uh, like Felton and 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 Russ probably will kill uh, oh, will man. kill Irving and yeah, yeah. and you don't ha- you don't really have a defender uh, for Russ. If you slide yeah. uh, Jalen Brown in on him, that you can do. You, you you leave Paul George completely free because right. Tatum is a rookie, so he, he will compete, but he's not as good. So on the defensive end, I th- I think that uh, Boston cannot keep up with OKC, uh, especially if they use their full potential. Um, and so this will be I, I think a good test to see if uh, Russ having a clear advantage uh, will will generate shots for him or uh, a better uh, offense overall for OKC. Yeah, yeah, I. I, I don't know quite what to expect from this Boston team game to game just because they are playing so many young guys. And yeah. with Marcus Smart not being a starter for them, you're right. Like, who are they going oh, yeah, to put on these? Yeah. Who are they going to put on these guys? Because I mean, if Smart is in the starting lineup, then I think that they could be okay because he, I, Marcus Smart, he's a he's a smaller. You know, shooting guard slash wing, but he can he can defend bigger guys. Like he's been yes. very effective at, at that. So I think if they do bring him into the starting lineup, I don't think things are as quite as bad. Uh, but they haven't really shown a willingness to do that, and so I expect the the starters to play really well because I don't think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can really keep up with these guys. Kyrie Irving's obviously not a quality defender, uh, and. Then uh, Daniel Tice started for them the other night against uh, against Milwaukee. I, I just don't. It's that's really interesting. Like I, I don't I don't think they know who their fifth starter is yet, and I think that Stevens is kind of working that out. Uh, I'm surprised it's not Baines, and, and maybe they will play Baines against the Thunder since maybe they want to play a little bit bigger, or then maybe they'll bring in Smart. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'll be interested to see how they, how they handle this because they're playing a lot of young and experienced guys, and I'm hopeful that OKC can take advantage of that. 
Yeah, I was. Yeah, you made a good point uh, on Smart. I think they will, even if they are not starting him, they will probably put put him on the floor quite soon. So probably in the first five to six minutes. Yeah. So and especially, yeah, especially if OKC is off to a great start, then maybe sooner. So yeah, yeah. and then you have you're right, two quality defenders in well, at least a a very good defender in Smart and a quality defender in um, in Jalen Brown. So Mm -hmm. they 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 will probably be okay. Yeah, and the the problem is that you can't play if a guy doesn't start, they can't play a ton of minutes because you're already limiting how much they can play to start the game, and then so I mean, so it makes sense to me to play a little bit smaller and just start him and and see what he can do against Westbrook or even against Paul George, um, and then yeah. So, anyways, it's it's interesting. And then on Sunday they play the Portland Trailblazers. They're four and two as well. Uh, they're obviously kind of the same team that we've seen through the years with this team. It's mostly a lot of CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard. Uh, obviously, Juice Nurkic is healthy and has been playing well uh, for them. They're, they've been fun and they've been good so far to start the season. Uh, and I think it's another really good test for OKC. Um, I think there's these these three teams. They're none of them are elite, but they're all quality mm-hmm. teams. They're all well coached, um, and it'll be, just be interesting to see if the Thunder can make some progress this week as you know getting together their offense and not having any lulls um, and keeping up the defensive intensity. They should beat all three of these teams. They're better than these three teams, um, and I think that we'll see if they've made the kind of progress that they've made. Um, by next Sunday against Portland. Um, and Portland doesn't have as many shooters. Like Pat Connaughton has actually show, has shown up and has been good from three. Um, I don't know if that continues or not, but the, the Blazers are interesting. Yeah, they are. And um, they played a lineup, a starting lineup that is okay for OKC to face because they don't have uh, two Bigs, uh, two regular bigs. They play Amino and Arkles uh, as your um, small forward and power forward. Like they, none of none, none of them is really a power forward. So I think that um, in that for that OKC is well equipped to guard them. And um, I'm curious to to see. Uh, if they put uh, Robertson and George against Lillard and McCollum, and maybe put Russ on Aminu or Harkless, or if they they try to to see if Russ has it uh, against Dame and then uh, take it from there if it doesn't work, um, I'm curious to see uh, um, Pat Connaughton because he he was sneaky good uh, for Notre Dame. He was a 40% plus shooter with a good uh, athletic test uh, at the combine two years ago, yeah. um, and I'm. I'm glad he's he's having a role this season because those guys that that works hard have a shot and and are pretty athletic find play find a role in this league like more often than not and so I'm really happy to see him having uh, minutes this season. Yeah, if he can continue to shoot like he has, he's 13 of 26 from three so far this season, which is incredible. If he can even, I mean, obviously he doesn't have to be fifty percent to you know be effective. No, he can no. shoot thirty-seven to forty percent from three this season. Like they may not miss Alan Crab because, like, oh no, I mean Alan Crab didn't really do much more than that. And you know Pat Connaughton is a is a smart player and he's a good shooter and 
you know, maybe they knew what they were doing when they when they traded him away and knew that it wouldn't be a problem going forward because they have this this guy on the bench. Then I may question why they give him the 18 millions uh, <laughs> per year in the first place. But uh, maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe they true. want another another deep look, and they decided that he yeah. wasn't that effective. No, I mean Pat is also uh, an okay defender. So yeah. I mean he's he's okay. He's a um, again even if it's not 50 percent, and I probably I expect him not to shoot 50 percent. But he, if he's plus 40, then yeah. Sure, he has a role. Yeah, and this this team is a, is another test for Andre Robertson. Like, what are we going to see? Billy's been so weird about him this season. Like, he said that he is working his way back from something, and then the other night he said that he was available to play, but he just didn't play him basically because he wanted he'd rather play Josh Eustis. I mean, that's not those aren't the exact words, but that's what he said. <laughs> that he would he wanted you know. Josh's length and his offensive ability and his he's been great on defense. So it'd be interesting to see if Andre gets a chance to stay in the game for more than like 15 to 20 minutes, which has been kind of what he's been so far this season, uh, because they're going to need defenders for CJ and Dame. And so yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, the Thunder are searching for like that fifth guy to play with the starters mm-hmm. And Dre hasn't been that so far this season. Uh, they've really given Houston a shot. And I think defensively, Houston has been really good. And if that three balls can fall for him, I think that he can be that guy because I think that yes. he can play like the two through four um, as a spot up guy. And he's shown like the ability to defend smaller guys. He even defended Jeff Teague at sometimes. And I was like, wow, like he actually looks pretty good doing that. Um, Alex Sabrinas, his shot is not falling at all this season. He's 33% field goal percentage, 25% from three. Uh, That's not going to continue. Like He's going to be a guy that hits shots, but you got to wonder if he's going to have even a bigger role than he had last season. Because so far, his his role has looked a lot like last season for him, where he's kind of this like seventh, eighth man shooter who comes in and plays, you know, know, 10 to 15 minutes a game, and that's really about it. Um, so it's, that's, that's been odd. And then the other candidates are Jeremy Grant and Patrick Patterson. Patterson's got to hit his shots and, you know, Jeremy Grant's played a lot of minutes for this team. Um, but I just don't know that he's, I mean, he's a, obviously a versatile player, but he's a big. And so to me, like if there, if the guy is on this roster, I feel like it's been Josh, which I don't know if that's a. I mean, it's a good thing that he can come in and play, but um, he's his shot's gonna fall. But I mean, I think that he's definitely a candidate to be that fifth guy. Yeah, I mean, this game, as you said, is um, it can be it can be very well be the under Robertson revenge game when he basically shut down Dame Lillard and he is okay on offense and yeah. everything works. Uh, I think that for Dre, the important is to have such a game as quick as possible. Uh, because he's capable of shutting down Lillard, because he's capable of being okay on offense. And, uh, I mean, he, he doesn't have really to shoot the ball to be effective. We, we said that many times. But if he can take two, three dribbles and pass the ball in a, like in a, during a motion, that, that can be really important for OKC. Yeah. Even if, if, even if he doesn't shoot, even if he miss like 
couple of free throws. Um, and then he has to be the Dre that we remember on defense because mm-hmm. OKC needs that. So if you if you are against Minnesota and you you switch on Teague and he doesn't uh, put the shot off because you are guarding him so well that he can't shoot. That is the Robertson we need. We don't need a Robertson that uh, on any given action you, you play like regular defense on Wiggins and Wiggins score on you just because he, he's free to take a shot with, All right. with low, no contest or, or or little contest. So I really want to see Dre as ferocious as he was last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't see that in the first few games. So the, the attitude is not there. Maybe it's not okay physical and that, that can be an issue. Maybe uh, his trying to, to find a role offensively and that disturbs him uh, from a uh, concentration and focus point of view. He's not as effective, but he has to put it together. And I think that like uh, a good under Robertson is the best fit with the starters because of what he can yeah. bring uh, dynamically dynamically on the floor. Because as you said, yes, Josh looked great. Uh, one-on-one, def- uh, a great one-on-one defender against mm-hmm. isolations, not as much um, guarding screens and, and stuff like that. It, it, it was good, but, but not incredibly good. And we, we seen, we have seen Robertson being uh, like a wizard, on screens, like uh, yep. good timing, g- like going through screen, anticipating. He he knows how to do this stuff uh, yeah. uh, at the great at the greatest level. He was probably the best perimeter defender with uh, Pat Beverly. Yeah. So he really has to find himself on that end before like going uh, to to discuss his his offensive side because he, he really has to be the plus defender that we that we remember for him to be on the floor and i i think that billy donovan put him uh, on the bench for for that reason not because of the offensive side but because he wasn't as good defensively as mm-hmm. he expected him to be yeah and he even said as much that he yeah, hasn't so. been the defender that that he was at the end of last season and this will be a good test for him. Again, they have a lot of rest this week, you know, relative to the rest of their schedule. They don't have any back-to-backs. These games are very spaced out. This is going to be a chance for for him to get right and to play well. And he's he's got guys to defend, and Chris Middleton, and he's he's got Damon CJ. He can defend both those guys, uh, and then Kyrie Irving is a guy that he's going to have to defend as well. And if he can you know, get right on the defensive end and be a ball mover and try to hang out around the baseline on, on the offensive end. If he's not, you know, moving the ball at the top of the key or taking in a couple dribbles, like he's, he can be, he can be effective in that. Like he's not the worst, uh, but he, he's got to find ways to be useful on the offensive end. And then he's got to be an elite defender. Otherwise they're going to keep trying other guys and keep looking um, and giving him only 15, 20 minutes a game. And, you know, I give Billy Donovan some credit for that because I they do desperately need to find that guy and really determine, is that guy on the roster? And, mm-hmm. you know, take this first part of the season and figure out, do we even have that guy? And the answer could be no. <laughs> the answer might be no. Yay. Like they need to go find a guy maybe in the buyout market or via trade. Uh, they need to go find somebody else. And... You know, I, I give him credit for trying to figure that out. I think he's trying to give the front office as many looks with this team as possible. And if you go look at like lineup data with this team, uh, it's 
it's you can't even use any of it really because they've yeah. given so many looks to so many different lineups, um, which is like a very Billy Donovan thing to do. Um, but as I search for the Sith guy, it'll it'll be interesting in these three games to see you know who who is that? Is it Jeremy Grant? Is it is it Robertson? Is it Hustis? Do we see more Abrinas? What you know? What are we what are we going to see? I think it'll be to me that's kind of a fun thing to watch for. Yeah, sure. Um, that is what Billy gives us uh, since like since he got in OKC. So yeah. a lot of flexibility, a lot of new stuff, and. As, uh, even if we want maybe more uh, stability, I think you have to search for the best uh, lineup uh, before uh, settling uh, with any of those. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Michele, thanks for coming on the show today. We can find you on Twitter at Mikey Berra. We can follow your project at chart underscore side on Twitter as well. Check that out. Uh, follow us on Twitter at down to dunk. Thanks for listening today. Please leave us a five star iTunes review. If you have some time, uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Tell your friends, tell your family about our show. Uh, just take take some time to just tell somebody about Down to Dunk today. If you enjoy listening to our show. Spread the word. Uh, you guys are the reason uh, that this thing has even gotten to where it is, and so we appreciate you. Uh, so continue to spread the word about Down to Dunk, and we will talk to you guys on Wednesday.